Hey there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 10 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Stephen Blandino once again. Uh, many of you that are regular listeners of the podcast know that um, Stephen has joined us several times. And um, today, we get to sit down and have a fascinating conversation about followership. And Stephen and I discuss, you know, why um, understanding a followership is something that we, it's better for us to learn early on. And then um, we talk about maybe some of the common stumbling blocks. Um, when we seek a, a position of leadership rather than being comfortable with the posture of followership. Um, and uh, how do we enthusiastically follow the vision of a leader and not hijack it? And uh, I, Stephen and I mentioned, you know, there's many podcast leadership podcasts out there, but not too many followership podcasts out there. And him and I uh, said, well, maybe we should start a, a po- podcast on followership. And uh, anyway, we'll see where that goes. But just wanted to thank Stephen once again for being on the podcast. I appreciate him and his investment into uh, missionaries around the world. Looking forward um, to that. Just want to encourage you to continue to um, listen in and subscribe to the podcast. If you've not yet subscribed yet, um, that way that I know the podcasts that I listen to are the ones I subscribe to, and then that'll um, make my communication job a lot easier. I do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is Dr. Sean Ricker, providing advanced care and friendly servants at Cumberland Optical. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with Stephen Blandino. And um, we're just uh, sitting down unpacking another one of his teachings. And I'm so looking forward to this. Stephen, before we jump in, um, it'd be, I think it'd be great just for people that maybe want to follow you or have more connection with you outside of the podcast. Could you just give some information and uh, share how people maybe could follow your blog or, or just stay up to date with you? Sure. Thanks, Aaron. Again, it's great to be with you today and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Um, probably the best way is through my blog, uh, stephenblandino.com. And uh, I blog regularly there. There's hundreds of articles that can be accessed on all kinds of leadership, personal growth topics, and um, and then some of the resources we've developed as well. And, and, and there's a number of resources that are free as well. So whether you're looking to you know, kind of assess your organizational culture or develop a, uh, create a personal growth plan or, you know, insights on, on young leaders. There's just a number of free resources there as well. So yeah, love for, for, uh, for any of the listeners to check it out. Stephenblandino.com. For sure. We'll put that, I'll put that in the show notes and, um, they can go to the show notes to get that. And, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Stephen, looking forward to learning from you today about followership. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and I know that you're you're an avid reader and studier and um, a listener too. I don't know too many podcasts called follow followership podcast. There's a lot of leadership podcasts, um, but very few. Maybe you and I could start a followership podcast. <laughs> there we go, and we could we could be the 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 first ones, and probably somebody will write me a note that there is one. But anyway, I, they're not <laughs> as they're not as prominent as leadership podcast. But the reality of it is, the subject of followership is. Um, is super important. And, um, you know, as I read through your writings, one of the, the things you shared that is that an understanding of followership is something that is better to learn early on. How did you come to a conclusion and how did you arrive at that conclusion? It's better to learn early on than, than later on. Well, first I think because followership is the first test of leadership. Hmm. 
if you can't follow, you probably are inadvertently delaying being entrusted with leadership. Hmm. And then second, no matter how far you go in leadership, you will always find yourself in the role of a follower. Okay. In other words, you're, you're always going to report to another leader or to a board of directors or to a group of overseers. So, so leadership is never fully separated from followership. So, hmm. you, you know, you, you've got to, I think it's a test of leadership, but then you, you're never going to escape it either. So learning to, to follow well is really essential. Yeah. And so Stephen, where, where did you go to start learning about followership? Because as I shared in the intro, you know, there's lots of podcasts for leadership, but I don't know too many areas that you can go to learn about followership. How did you learn and grow in this area? Uh, probably by making a lot of mistakes. You know, <laughs> we, we, uh, I, I think we, you know, we've all, when, especially when you're young, like you, you've just got this ambition, this drive to, to lead one day, to sit in the, the, the seat of leadership. And you just begin to realize that uh, you've got to re you've got to adjust how you look at leadership and, and the lens you look at it through, or you can really quickly move into an unhealthy place. And so, and I think it's pretty obvious when you look at the life of Jesus, I mean, he approached leadership from a, a posture of servanthood, not a posture of, of what he could gain or how he could exert uh, influence for personal uh, ambition. It was all about others. It was mm. all for the glory of God. It was all about serving people. And so he just had this posture that is, I think, very closely connected to followership. And yet we don't tend to see it that way today. Hmm. And why, why, sorry, I'm just keep asking, keep peppering you with questions. Why, why do you, why do you not think that we see it that way? Is it our focus on leadership that we don't want to see it as followership or how do you think we've kind of got that confused? I think we see followership as weakness. Hmm. I think we oftentimes think followership means that we're just kind of going with the flow that we don't have ambition or dreams or drive or passion we see followership as less than, and yet the truth is, uh, every leader, you know, it's the old saying, if no one's following you, you're just taking a walk, right? So a leader <laughs> has got a, a you know, a, a leader has followers. And so we tend to think, well, therefore that makes the leader more important. The truth is without the followers, the leaders aren't going to go very far at all. Hmm. You've got to have a team. You've got to have people that are serving alongside of you. So, so the importance and the value of followership is is essential for the leader to even be effective in the first place. And yet we elevate the leader uh, oftentimes because we just think, well, they're more important. And, hmm. and you, know, you see this all over uh, the world and in, in culture at large, there's just esteem for leaders and followers tend to be viewed more from a perspective of they just don't have the value or the importance as, as the leader. And, and we know that's not true. That's not, that's not what Jesus modeled for us. And so again, I think if we miss followership, our understanding of followership, it is going to negatively impact uh, us receiving leadership opportunity and then hmm. exercising that leadership opportunity in a way that is honorable, in a wow. way that matters and makes a difference. So, so if your perspective is off on followership, you're probably going to have a wrong perspective when it comes to how you handle leadership. Wow, that's good, and uh, that's a tweetable quote there. I'm not, I'm not on Twitter, but that's definitely a, a tweet, a, a Twitter quote there. So, you mentioned that a common stumbling block um, is when we seek a position of leadership rather than being comfortable with the posture of followership. 
Can you unpack uh, what that looks like to be seeking a position of leadership rather than being comfortable with followership and why that's yeah. why that's important? So your number one goal as a follower is to serve the organization well, to serve the, the vision of the leader uh, with excellence. But somewhere along the way, most followers aspire to leadership, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say most. I mean, many leaders or many followers aspire to leadership, which is perfectly fine. I think God puts that desire in people's hearts. So I'm not discounting that. Uh, where we get into trouble is when the pursuit of a position of leadership becomes more important to us than just being a great follower. Wow. And what I've discovered is that if you do a good job following, God tends to take care of the promoting. Hmm. He tends to trust you with leadership opportunities if you've done a good job following. You know, it reminds me of the parable of the talents. In the parable of the talents, the, the servants and the master, they both had responsibilities, right? The servants' right. jobs were, were to be faithful. They were right. to steward wisely what the master had entrusted to them. And the master's job was to commend his servants, to entrust them with more responsibility, and to reward them. Which, just a side note, Aaron, <laughs> a lot of times leaders, we're really good at talking about the the, you know, hey, the servants were faithful and you've got to right. be faithful in the small things and, and, and all of that. We forget there's also a lesson in that parable for the master. Wow. And, and so if you're the master, if you're the leader, your, your lesson in that, in that parable is, are you commending your servants, you know, hmm. your, your employees, your team members? Are you entrusting your team members with more responsibility? Are you rewarding them? Because that's, that's the role the master played in that parable. We just tend to forget that we're focused yeah. on. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Right. So, so both, both individuals, the, the servants and the master, they, they both had responsibility. So if you're doing a good job as a faithful servant, in other words, you, you have the posture of followership. Uh, God tends to take care of moving you into the leadership position that he can trust you with. Hmm. So, so again, the follower's job is to be faithful. The, the leader's job is to, to be a, a promoter. Both are critical uh, because, because think about it like this. Promotion without faithfulness leads to entitlement. Wow. And faithfulness without promotion leads to discouragement. Hmm. You got to have both of those at play. Could you say that, could you say that again? Yeah. So, so pr- promotion without faithfulness. In other words, if a leader promotes you when you've not been faithful, it tends to lead to entitlement. But faithfulness without promotion leads to discouragement. In other Hmm. words, if if, if you're being faithful, but your leader never entrusts you with more opportunity or responsibility, it tends to lead to discouragement. Both both are critical. You mentioned there and um, stuck out to me the idea of celebrating or encouraging. The role of the leader is to encourage and celebrate. Um, are there some ways that you found that that works and that doesn't work? Because um, I, I think my perception would be, and I'll own this, if the leader celebrates maybe too much those he's leading or he or she is leading, that maybe – they're afraid that maybe they'll get a big head and they won't want to follow. They'll just want to be the leader. Um, is that, is that a, is that a valid concern or what? Yeah. I guess what, what have you found that works in celebrating? Yeah, it probably, and celebrating? Sure. It, it probably comes down to the health of the person. I mean, obviously okay. the, if you've got someone who's really insecure, then, then that's going to show up in maybe some right. unhealthy ways. Uh, but you know, it's the old thing that if, if a person's breathing, they need encouragement. Right. Yeah, and, that's and, good. and, we just 
it, it's something we have to do. It's something we have to, to practice. I, I know for us, one of the things that, that we do is we start a lot of our meetings by celebrating wins, hmm. by just taking some time to let everybody on the team talk about what, what are the wins uh, that, that we can celebrate today that we can, you know, share. And they may, they may be wins of something that has happened in a specific ministry area. They may be wins that have to do with the big day that we had. They may be wins that have to do with how one of the team members exercised our team value. Hmm. And, and so taking some time to focus on those wins can, can be encouraging, can be life giving. Um, at the same time, sometimes it's, it's, pulling somebody aside and just saying, Hey, I just want you to know home run on that great yeah. job. Uh, that's one reason why I'm, I'm a big fan of one-on-ones with the yeah. people that report to you, because it's an opportunity for you to commend and affirm uh, where they're excelling and, and, and just let them know you're doing a great, you're doing a great job. So yeah, some of the commending needs to be done publicly. Some of it needs to be done privately. There's a, there's a good mix in there, a good balance, but it's, it's pretty important if we want to keep our team engaged. Yeah. If they say we're talking about a team serving, I don't know, somewhere in the world, maybe uh, Senegal or uh, Madagascar, they're serving in Madagascar and the leader is not um, encouraging and celebrating. Can followers encourage and celebrate each other? Is that, is that a possibility or does that lead to the, would that lead to, yeah. What would be your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every, all, all of us need encouragement um, and all of us have a responsibility to encourage, you know, Paul hmm. talks about that. And and so there's just this, um, it, it's a common courtesy when you really yeah. think about it, just being an encouraging person. And here's the other thing you do, we discover is that encouragement is often the wings that gives flight to future potential. Hmm. If you can encourage people, um, through what you say, through how you interact with them, uh, you're giving them oftentimes a glimpse of the potential that they have that they're not tapping. Um, or uh, maybe they've done something well and you know it was a big risk for them or that yeah. they, maybe it comes very natural, but they don't even recognize that in themselves. Your encouragement can oftentimes help them see what they can't see themselves because they're so up close to it that they just yeah. don't have the perspective. So our, our encouragement, I think, can help people see what they may not be able to see about themselves and give them the, the, the courage to, to do what they need to. You know, it's the old thing of, of, of encourage means to put courage into, right? Yeah. So when you speak words of encouragement, you're putting courage into someone that perhaps uh, they did not consider what they could potentially do with their lives or the impact that they could have. That can happen with the person next to you. That can happen with your leader above you. That can happen to the people that you're leading uh, that, that, that follow you. Yeah. So it's not just the leader down. It's, it's, it's all around. Like, yeah, can, can you create this culture, this environment where people feel encouraged? And I'll just be really honest with you. That's very natural for some people and very not, and much harder for others. I know for yeah. me, I'm very like, you know, like, here's the mountain, let's go get it. Here's the yeah. goal I'm pursuing. Here's the task. And I have to, I have to intentionally tell myself, slow down and pay attention to what's happening in the people around you and, and realize that your words as the leader carry more weight than most other people. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. It's just that when the leader speaks, people tend to uh, place a, a greater weight on their words than somebody else. So if the leader 
is speaking words of encouragement, those words coming from the leader, that encouragement coming from the leader always carries more weight than when those words come from, from somebody else, from maybe the, the coworker or somebody that, that they're, they're even leading. So, so recognizing that should, should compel leaders to say, okay, if my words have that much weight, how can I use my words intentionally to add value to people and to let them know how much they matter and what they're doing is making a difference. That's good. That's good. That's a good word. One of the other things I, is I was reading, um, reading through your um, teaching on followership. You, you talk about um, the idea of enthusiastically following the vision of the leader. Um, how can we follow that vision without hijacking it at the same time? Yeah. Great question. So there's three things that I think are pretty critical here. One is follow the vision personally. Hmm. In other words, in other words, put the vision before your own preferences, your own ideas, your own ambitions. And, and this is one of the hardest things for leaders to do because we all have ways that we would like to do things. And if we were in charge, we might do them differently. Hmm. But if, if they don't, if our ideas and our preferences and our ambitions don't resonate with your leader's vision, you've got to have the, the wisdom and the maturity to set those things aside. That's good. If you can't submit your vision to your leader's vision, then you need to go find a leader that you <laughs> can enthusiastically serve. Yeah. Uh, so, so follow the vision personally, embrace that personally. Second, uh, these all start with P. So, yeah. so th this will be easy to remember, right? So, so second is follow the vision practically. And what I mean by that is just find practical ways to move the vision from a corporate statement yeah. to personal application, right? We've okay. all seen the vision statement is like it hangs on the wall or, you know, right. it's, it's posted somewhere, but how can you make that practical? So for example, if your leader's vision is to build community among other followers of Jesus, then you should be the first person to lead a small group. You should be the first person to do something that that makes that vision practically lived out through your life. That's a practical expression. If your pastor's vision is to 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 reach the lost, then you should be the first person that's inviting people to church and sharing the the, the gospel with people. Find practical ways to not just talk about the vision, but to live it out. It's good. So so follow it personally. You know, set your preferences, ideas, all of that aside. Make make sure the vision of the leader is front and center, and then follow it practically. Find ways to live it out, and then third is follow the vision publicly. Hmm. You follow the vision publicly when you enthusiastically share it with others. Uh, this is where you're inspiring teams with the vision. It's where you're championing the the vision so that others can run with it. It's where you are not just talking about it behind closed doors, but you're celebrating it out in public. Wow. I, I love something Andy Stanley says on this. He says, loyalty publicly gives you leverage privately. Hmm. Loyalty publicly gives you leverage privately. In other words, if you're loyal to the vision publicly, yeah. then, then when you're behind closed doors with your leader and you've got a, a, maybe something about uh, a, an idea you want to challenge or you want to push back on something, you're probably going to have greater leverage privately behind closed doors if you've if you've supported the vision publicly. Yeah, it's good. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking about just being a yes man, and I'm not talking about you know uh, blindly uh, you know doing things that that are unhealthy. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying if God's given that leader that you're serving a vision, 
right. you know, then our job is to say, okay, how can I help this vision come to pass? And one way is publicly making sure you're supporting that vision. You're celebrating yeah. it. Um, when you do that publicly, then privately behind closed doors, you've probably got a little more leverage because your leader knows this person, they've got my back and, and, yeah. and, and they are uh, behind me on this. Again, doing all that in a, in a healthy, healthy context and health. That's good. You talked, um, you shared just a, a few minutes ago about preferences. Um, if you have preferences, you know, I think that's been a challenge for me when pref- you know, preference to me means it's optional it means if, if it, I might paint it red and, and the leader wants to paint it blue. And to me, that's a preferential, you're still going to paint it, but it's the color. Is there anything, maybe a lesson learned or some wisdom that you could help us with when it comes to deciding whether this is a, just a preference of mine or is this something, a hill I want to die on, I guess is, <laughs> is a phrase to use. Right. Does, that, does that make any sense, Steve? Sure, sure. And we've all got those, those preferences, those things that we feel pretty passionate about. I think it's important for a leader to recognize my preferences uh, can oftentimes be offered as ideas to the hmm. leader, but I can't marry them. Hmm. And I have to be okay that when my idea is rejected, it does not mean it's a rejection of me. Hmm. If my if if when my ideas are rejected, I interpret it as being as me being rejected, then my identity has become my ideas. Hmm. And 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 leaders have to recognize that. Just because I reject your idea doesn't mean I reject your identity. That's good. So, so that's, you know, I think that's for, for each of us. That's just, and, and that's hard because we tend to be married to our ideas. Like there's a reason we think it's a great idea. <laughs> there's a reason we think you should think it's a good idea. So, so that's, you know, that, that's, that's very natural, yeah. but learning to separate our identity from our ideas is super important if we're going to remain uh, healthy. Otherwise, here's what happens. Our idea can become an expression of rebellion. Hmm. And, and, and again, God gives us, uh, he's wired us with gifts and strengths and, and, and passions and these things. But, but sometimes my idea just needs, it's just not the right time. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's saying, okay, here's what I think. Here's what I want to offer. And I'm, I'm going to, uh, pitch this idea, but then I just have to be okay with what, what my leader says. And if they're, yeah. if they think it's great and they want to uh, act on it, then, then great. Sometimes, sometimes we ambush our ideas because we share them at the wrong time. Hmm. If we would just hold off and wait for a time when our leaders may be in a different frame of mind, or maybe when the pressure is not on them in, in an area that's really got their full attention, if we'll just pull back and wait, then it may be that they'd be very open to the idea, but sometimes we just blast them out there and expect them to be adopted. And, and it's just, it's just a, a bad, bad timing with that. So it's good. Yeah. The ideas have to serve the greater vision. Otherwise yeah. they become a distraction to that. vision. No, that's, that's good. And, and I'll be honest with you. That's something, um, Stephen that I've, I struggle with that separation of ideas and, and identity. Um, and I think it's because I spend a lot of time and I think every, maybe uh, not just me, but I'll personalize it. I spend a lot of time thinking about an idea and, it, and then it does become part of, 
I'm, I'm convinced, so you should be convinced also. And then when somebody's not convinced, then I, I, you know, I take it personally. But growing and maturing as a follower, um, you know, you learn to try to separate that. And I'd love to say it's easy and um, it comes real easy for me, but it's uh, it's something that I, I struggle with probably more often than I'd like to admit. So, but anyway, well, and I think we, I, I think we've all been there, Aaron. Um, just you know, because again, we've got these ideas, these dreams, these things that we think can really make a difference, yeah. that they could really be maybe even game changers. Yeah. But um, if we're not the one that makes the final call, we, we just have to <laughs> sometimes <laughs> humbly step back and say, okay, That's and right. uh, put that in a file and save it for later. <laughs> the title of the podcast is followership. So we got to sit back and follow. So one of the other things I wanted to ask you about today, Stephen, is about the impact of accountability and um, what impact does accountability have on a team? It's huge. Um, I, I think I may have shared this in another episode we did, uh, Patrick Lencioni's, uh Five Dysfunctions of a Team, mm. such a great resource. But he, he talks about, you know, these dysfunctions that can seep into a team and it starts with an absence of trust. And he says, if there's an absence of trust with the team, that's going to then lead to a fear of conflict. Hmm. In other words, we're not, we're not going to, we're going to be afraid to, to engage in healthy conflict with each other. And, and uh, because we just don't trust one another, like if yeah. we engage in conflict, it could really go bad. Yeah. Um, and, and so if there's a fear of conflict, if we're not willing to push back on ideas and say, no, I think there's a better way to do this and, 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 and challenge some of those things. If there's a fear of conflict, then it leads to a lack of commitment because what hmm. happens is decisions are made and then, well, I didn't make that decision. I don't want to commit to that. <laughs> and so uh, I was not for that. I didn't get to express my thoughts, or my perspective or my opinion. So, so this absence of trust leads to a fear of conflict, which leads to a lack of commitment. And that leads to an avoidance of accountability. Hmm. Because if a, if a decision was made that I'm not bought into, I don't want to be held accountable for that decision. Wow. I only want to be held accountable for the things that I, that I agree with, that I'm bought into. Hmm. And so we avoid accountability. And when we avoid accountability, then it leads to an inattention of results. Hmm. Um, and, and we just, we just, because we don't want to be held accountable, well, then we're just going to kind of ignore the scoreboard and, and all of that. So, so here's, you know, think about it like this. Accountability isn't always fun, but inattention to results uh, leads to a less fun outcome. <laughs> Is that a good way to say it? Yeah, for you know? sure. So, so it, it's, it's like the old saying, choose your hard, right? Accountability yeah. is hard and a lack of results is hard. Yeah. But you have to choose your heart. So so I would rather choose accountability, even though it's hard, because that's better than ignoring uh, results and ignoring things maybe really going off the rails and leading to an even worse, uh, a worse outcome. So if you're avoiding and here's how sometimes the avoidance of accountability can show up. We just want to. Um, we just want to live in our sweet spot. We just want to live in our zone. Like we just want to be us and not have to have to adapt to the standards of the organization or whatever. And, and sometimes that's how we, we spin it out. When the, the truth is you may just be, you just don't want to, you just don't like someone holding your feet to the fire. Hmm. You just don't want to be held uh, accountable. And, and if a team 
does not have measures of accountability in place, it will lead to an undisciplined pursuit of more. It will wow. lead to an undisciplined pursuit of things that just drive the organization in a direction it should not be going in. It will start chasing visions that are not aligned with the vision of the organization. It will start chasing uh, ideas and, and habits and practices and, and just become very lazy and, and very undisciplined in its focus. It'll result in all kinds of crazy things. So accountability is actually a very good thing. It tends to get a bad rap. Um, the, the, the issue is that leaders don't like to hold people accountable because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's just, but here's the thing. It's always easier to implement accountability early on than later on. Because yeah, later on, it's always turned into something that's, that's morphed right. into a bigger problem. Yeah. And it's react. I think it, when it's further down the line, it's more reactionary rather yeah, than it's become part of the culture and part of the DNA. If you do it in the beginning versus in my experience, if it's later down the road, it's kind of your accountability more in my experience would be a reaction to a negative event. And then I think then it becomes more critic, critic, you can perceive it as criticism. Maybe it's not meant mm -hmm. to be that way. And then I think it, you take it personal. Um, but if like yeah. you're saying, if it's part of the culture, then it's just part of the culture of who, who, who we are. So one of the other things you, you, you talked about, Stephen was the, the heart of followership and leadership. And, um, and you talked about some traits. Um, I think it's two traits of servant leadership that, um, that followers could strive for. Could you unpack those for us? Sure. So the, the, the first trait is humble service. Mm -hmm. And that seems obvious, like a servant leader, of course, they're a servant. That's why they're called a servant leader. Right. Um, but humble service is, it, it really combines two things, the method and the motive of, of leadership. So, mm -hmm. so when humility and service are combined, the motive and the method of leadership are basically sanctified. Okay. Because, because humility, humility keeps our motive from being driven by self-centeredness and personal kingdom building, if you will. Yeah. And service ensures that our method for leading keeps the good of others in focus. Yeah. So, you know, power should obviously be used to benefit others, not to burden others. And, and few leaders exhibit both of these traits, humility and service. But you, you, you've got to have both. both. So, so humble service, again, humble deals with the motive, service deals with the method of leadership. Yeah. So, so that's the first trait. That may be two traits right there. I don't right. know. But, but, but humble service is, is one trait of servant leadership. The second trait is, this may sound a little strange, but entitlement restraint hmm. entitlement restraint so it's really easy in leadership to shift into an entitlement mode where you feel like you deserve certain privileges certain honors certain acknowledgments and those may come people may give those to you but the best leaders and the best followers exhibit restraint whenever it comes to entitlement hmm. um, servant leaders aren't hung up on perks position, promotion, all of those things, they do their job and then they trust God to take care of the rest in his timing. Yeah. And, um, and if I don't put a restraint on what entitlements I expect, that can drive me and the organization to a very unhealthy place. And we see it happening left and right in hmm. the world, in the church, where people feel like 
you know, there's certain entitlements that, that, that I deserve. And, and here's where this can happen. Uh, sometimes there's a real emphasis on creating an honor culture, mm-hmm. which I'm all for honor. Like, I think right. we should, we should honor people. Um, but that's a two way street. Yeah. Sometimes if we're not careful, leaders can expect to be honored, but they don't give that honor back to the people that are, that are following them. Wow. So, so if we're not careful, that can lead to an unhealthy place of where I feel like there's certain entitlements I deserve. If you don't put a governor on those entitlements, if you don't put a restraint on those entitlements, they can drive you to an unhealthy place really fast. And <laughs> excuse me, drive the, <laughs> excuse me, organization right to an unhealthy place and no. the people you're leading. So, so both of those traits are, are pretty, uh, pretty important. Let, let me just say this and your, some of your listeners may be uh, familiar with this quote. It comes from Elizabeth Elliot. I think she gave a fantastic litmus test of, of servant leadership. Uh, whenever she said the best way to find out whether you really have a servant's heart is to see what your reaction is when somebody treats you like one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, 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 that's the test, right? Yeah. <laughs> we say we're servant leaders. And then, and then when someone treats us like a servant, suddenly oh, it, reveals, yeah. it reveals what's in our heart. Wow. That's, that's good. You know, I remember when we went through um, missionary training, one of the leaders spoke about entitlement and I kept thinking, now I was 20, I was young, young twenties then. And he was talking about entitlement, entitlement. I thought, what in the world? Why are we spending all this time talking about entitlement? You know what I mean? And, uh, well, it didn't take long, you know what I mean? And you, you get to the field and then, you know, you, you do, you come, you're convinced that I, I deserve this. I deserve that. And, and it becomes, it's very hard to be a servant leader when you're focused on yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was all about the things that I should be able to do because it's best for me. And, yeah. um, it was, and then I thought, now I understand why Mike was spending time on entitlement. It all made very good sense once I got to feel sure. how, how important, how important it really was. So. And, and, you know, you guys have an even greater challenge because you're dealing with that, which is a global, you know, that, that message is, is a global message. It needs to be communicated in all cultures, but it becomes even more challenging when you're coming from one culture yeah. into another culture and you're having to learn that culture You've yeah. got certain expectations from your culture, and yeah. so that that just creates a whole other dynamic to that to oh, that man. process. And you, yeah, it's a it's a it. That's it, why I have less hair, and what I hair, hair I do have is turning gray. <laughs> so, last question, Stephen. Um, you talk about three qualities of hard work, and uh, and what three qualities that hard work reflects or demonstrates. Could you just unpack those for us? Yeah. So. I like to call them the three E's, effectiveness, efficiency, and excellence. So effectiveness, that's where the right priorities are in focus. Followers are only effective if they are allocating their time, talent, and resources to the priorities that matter to the organization that they work for. If you might deliver outstanding results on a priority that matters to you, yeah. But if it doesn't matter to the organization, can you really claim that you're being effective in your job? Mm. So, so think about it. 
efficiently accomplishing the wrong priorities is not a definition of success, <laughs> right? Right, for sure. Effectiveness, effectiveness for followers. It starts with identifying what matters most to your leader and to the organization. Yeah. So if you're going to be a good follower, you've got to be effective by that standard, by that definition. The second E is efficiency. So whereas effectiveness is about the right priorities being in focus, efficiency is about those priorities being executed smoothly. Hmm. Um, that means implementing the systems that are going to, you know, execute priorities in, in the most efficient and healthy way. I, I love the definition that Nelson Searcy gives for a, a system. He uses the word system as an acronym, and then it stands for saves you stress, time, energy, and money. Wow. That's a good. good system, a good system saves you stress, time, energy, and money. Hmm. So when you can implement solutions to attain your leader's highest priorities, your organization's highest priorities in a way that reduces stress, hmm. maximizes time, leverages energy, saves money, then you're probably moving in the right direction. That's good. That, 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 that's efficiency. And then the last one, excellence, uh, this is, you know, where, where the priorities are executed just with a high level of quality. Okay. And a, a follower is a hard worker when he or she is doing their job with excellence. Mediocrity isn't the goal, yeah. you know, doing just enough to get by. <laughs> that's not, you know, how we define success. It's giving your best, recognizing you're ultimately working for the Lord yeah. and uh, we, we should we should give our best. So, so effectiveness, efficiency, excellence, those three qualities um, really, you know, define what I think hard work looks like. Wow. That's good. Steven, it's always um, fascinating to learn from you. And once again, today on followership and um, it's been a blessing and appreciate you. Would you pray for us, uh, me pray for the audience and those listening in that will take the lessons that we've learned from you today about followership is because you shared it, it. All of us are followers and um, you know, we're, we're following. Um, but in, in the importance of it, that God will um, speak to our hearts and speak to our minds for, through um, what you've shared today. And then we'll put that into action. Sure. Father, thanks for the day. Thanks, God, for uh, what your word teaches us about following well. We recognize, Jesus, that we are first and foremost following you. And our desire is to follow you in a way that brings honor to your name, glory to your name, and that blesses and benefits others, God. And Lord, as we are each leading in various capacities, help us to lead in such a way that we have not forgotten that we are also followers. And that being a follower means we're going to steward wisely what you've entrusted to us, that we're going to, we're going to do so with humility. We're going to do so with the, the heart of a servant. God, help us to be uh, great followers, not just aspire to be uh, leaders, God. But, but, but let that followership spirit just uh, shape our hearts, our attitudes, our minds, and, and how we do things. And may we lead with that heart, God, uh, and model it well for future generations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 